Welcome to another Blue Jay Beat Wrap-Up Show featuring WhiteAndBlueReview.com's Matt DeMoranis. Good evening from Charlotte, North Carolina. This is uh, Matt DeMoranis from White and Blue Review. Joined by Johnny Atala from the Omaha World Herald after Creighton's 69-59 season-ending loss in the NCAA tournament to... Number 19, Kansas State. Um, Jays got one and done in the NCAA tournament for the second straight year. Third straight NCAA tournament loss overall, dating back to the second round of the San Antonio San Antonio against Baylor. Um, so, overall, when you assess NCAA tournaments, Creighton's kind of trending in the wrong direction. Um, I guess what are some of your takeaways, John, from tonight? And, you know, if you want to, Maybe some common threads you've seen over going back to Rhode Island. Certainly, you covered that, and then maybe if you have seen the Baylor game, yeah, I've seen parts that, of it. That one too. Yeah, it's it's you know it's uh, it's puzzling just in the fact that I was around the team and around the coaches, and they knew exactly. It wasn't like K State's plan defensively was something that Creighton wasn't prepping for. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like it's I think something that's exactly that, how I wrote it too. Like Creighton knew what they were in for tonight. No doubt, I wrote yeah. I, that might have been the lead of my story. Yeah, is like they knew exactly what Creighton was going to do, and they knew it's and they'd I might seen have it before. My lead then, so I think we wrote the same. Yeah, lead, maybe so. we might have wrote the same story. Yeah, <laughs> um, they'd seen it before. Yeah, like they just Multiple saw it last times. week, yeah. and and you can make the argument that okay, well. They've they've never really adjusted to it when they mm-hmm. face a, uh, a, a, a an opponent that's really going to grind them, uh, slow the game of the the slow the pace of the game down and, and make them work offensively, try to get physical with them, jump passing lanes, bump cutters, um, force shooters to uh, to put the ball on the floor and, and not give them space. But a lot of teams, like St. John's did it, Nebraska did it, and maybe those you can make the argument that those two teams aren't as good as Kansas State. Um, and I can I can understand that, but, but well, I thought, it, won I thought those it felt like a lot like the St. John's, like a St. John's game tonight. Cause they, they, I mean, from K-State's perspective, they did nothing to even threaten an offensive rebounding situation on the glass. They committed numbers back to slow down Creighton's transition game. Defensively, they were in Creighton's face, uh, trying to create havoc, trying to create turnovers, trying to get guys out of rhythm, switching a lot. I mean, that seems like something that St. John's does a lot of. Right. I think the difference, and St. John's has this capability too, they just didn't do it for, you know, not in crunch time against Creighton, was tough shot makeability, I guess, if you will. Kansas gotcha. State had that from the very opening tip um, with Kamas Stokes. We talked about him. Uh, in the in our NCAA tournament edition of this of this podcast, where he has kind of had after his injury that kind of sidelined him for a month, he's had a tale of two seasons. He never really got back to who he was before the injury. Today, in the first couple of minutes, he was back to his old self. I mean, he banged a couple threes. I think he had uh, their first seven points, yeah, seven of the first ten points did. in that ten-two run. So, right off the bat, that had to be something that Creighton maybe thought he was capable of but had seen on film in the last what two months or so of the season um so I think for him to get off to the start that he did certainly K-State being down Dean Wade um was a big lift for them to kind of have him get going first and spark the team a little bit before you know some of their more primary options got going yeah that's the thing yeah when you're talking about maybe something that 
happened that you didn't expect would have been K-State's ability to make tough shots. Yep. Um, tough jump shots. I mean, what were they shooting coming in? Deflating Third, jump shots, yeah, too. Like, Backbreakers. Because they, they, they weren't necessarily positions where Creighton played poorly defensively. Yeah, they, was, they were locked in for 30 seconds, ended the shot clock, or the one, I guess the 1-3 at the end of the buzzer, halftime buzzer, was just a seven-second possession. But mm-hmm. um, Kansas State was shooting, what, 34% coming into the game from three-point range or something like that. And, yeah. and their best three-point shooter was Dean Wade. He was at, like, 44, yeah. and he was out. Um, so that that of the players that were on the court, um, their numbers this season, they weren't that team. And so um, to play 30 seconds of defense for Creighton and then give up a jump shot or a bucket, that was deflating for sure. And, and knowing that it was going to be tough on the other end to um, to break Kansas State's defense down. But again, like, so that was a little bit of a surprise. But not much else in terms of K-State's game plan um, or its style or um, its physicality should have been a surprise to Creighton and it's a little bit honestly from my perspective baffling that the Jays just weren't able to ever solve it I mean they literally did not solve it they no. could not settle in and against that and team and and you'd think look, okay after halftime maybe some adjustments or toward the as the game you know Creighton sort of made that push right out of the break in the second half and you thought well maybe that's a sign that they're kind of settling in it seems like and, it felt like that during that stretch and no it? It was. But did, but they did, did you think for a minute? It felt for like minute, that run maybe. where they got to within two. Um, Mitch Ballack was making plays in the open court. Mm-hmm. He was being really aggressive. But it was just a glimpse. Than, it wasn't. It yeah. was just a flash in the pan. It wasn't right. an actual tangible um, change yep. to or of of the game's trajectory. And uh, and because yeah. K State was able to answer everything. Creighton got within two. They got within three. They got within three at the end of the half. Creighton. I mean, Kansas State did an incredible job. I want to make sure we give them credit because they did a good job answering every time. Mm-hmm. Every time it looked like the momentum was starting to swing, they just snatched it right back. With, no doubt. You know, a couple big plays, a big shot here and there. They made sure that Creighton did not get over the hump. It wasn't necessarily yeah. Creighton failing to do it. It was Kansas State preventing it from happening. Right. And I thought that's really was the difference in the game was their ability yeah, well, to be to just hone in in those tough situations where – you know, that's really what March is about. You've got to make tough plays in March yeah. to win games. And Kansas State was ready to answer the bell every single time adversity was starting to shift their direction. They pretty much just said, no, it's not happening. We're going to stretch the lead back out. And they did. And eventually it wore Creighton out because Creighton, you know, when we got to the six-minute mark, uh, Kansas State especially the ten. Creighton got it within single digits and didn't score for four minutes after that. Yeah, that's that that's kind of what I was saying. They, like they, 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 they had eventually no, faded. They had nothing. under all the pressure that right. Kansas State was putting them on. Um, now I will. I agree with you that K State did a great job of answering. But I will say that Creighton had the ball down two, and Ronnie Harrell missed a shot inside. Mm-hmm. Um, a shot that I'm sure he probably hits <laughs> 19 out of 20 times, but sure. he missed it. Um, I can't remember what happened on the next possession, but I think I thought Creighton might have had it. I'd have to look at my notes. I thought Creighton had another chance um, on the possession after that, but maybe not. And then when it pulled within three after Tyshawn Alexander um, hit that three-pointer, maybe 42-39 or yep. something like that, Creighton had a possession where it tried to lob to Jacob Epperson that resulted in nothing. I think it went in the books as a missed layup, but it was a turnover essentially. Yeah, it was like off the side of the back and then the next video. the next possession, still down three, I think Mitch Ballett drove and tried to dish to a cutting Ronnie Harrell, and that that pass was intercepted, yep. so it was a turnover. And then K State scored, and then there was the offensive foul on Jacob Epperson right after that. So I thought, no, while Creighton or while K State did a good job of answering. There were still opportunities for Creighton if it was able to string 
quality and efficient offensive possessions together, mm-hmm. it could have maybe turned the tide a little bit, but it, it just wasn't able to do that. Um, so, yeah, it was the Ronnie missed that shot inside. Yep. That was the only possession they had to tie the game, because, or, or at least in that moment, because then um, there was a missed three-pointer, and I think Toby had his hands on the rebound, and it just – Skipped oh, out of bounds. He chased it into the corner, and then uh, K State converted that into a bucket to extend the lead to four. And then there was a turnover. Um, that that one, I think that turnover was the Mitch Ballot turnover. Um, a few. Yeah, that was the uh, that was the pass around me that I was thinking of. Yep. Um, the the possession. K State did a great job reading those back cuts too. I think they intercepted or deflected three or four of those passes. Right, so they, they were, were really on they, their game they, as far they, as watching those. It was interesting because in practice, uh, the coaching staff talked a lot about how. Um, you had to fake one way before you went the other way. So if you're if you're an off-ball uh, player trying to get either to the rim, cut to the rim, or cut to um, the three-point line or, or the perimeter to receive a pass or to get yourself open, yeah. uh, you had to set the defender up. And I felt like um, I'd have to go back and look at it and see if Creighton's guys did that. But whatever Creighton was doing, uh, to try to get open, it, it was it was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, K State's guys that have really, I mean, they showed off their athleticism and their their ability to, um, to also, read the play. But. I also think something that Creighton lacked tonight was just, you know, just a level of aggressiveness that I think is required in situations like this in this tournament because you kind of have to go to a different level and stay there in order to be successful, even when you're failing. And I really didn't feel like. Everybody on the floor was at, was at that level of aggression because the reason I say this is because I noticed when certain players were, so it made me realize that not everybody was. You know what I'm saying? Like when Ronnie came off the bench, you could clearly tell he was at a different level with the spark he gave to cut into their 10-2 lead. Um, Davion clearly was just pedal to the metal, you know, trying to make plays all night. Mitch, um, Toby was really good. And it just like it seemed like everybody else was kind of almost being too patient, um, mm. too measured, you know, kind of just waiting for something to open up for them to take advantage of it instead of kind of, you don't want to say force the issue, but, you know, trying to make a play because, and I'm probably highlighting Kyrie Thomas and Marcus Foster because they are the two go-to guys. Yeah. And I felt like Kyrie was in a lot of one-on-one situations. Marcus Foster drew a lot of attention tonight. Um, you know, double teams on the back cuts, on the perimeter. He was... When he put he the ball sent- on the floor, he was getting swarmed. He swarmed. Yeah. But, but I felt like Kyrie had opportunities um, with some with some switches against some bigs that where they had to come out on the perimeter and guard him, where he didn't necessarily attack that maybe uh, to get to the foul line, um, to get to the rim and spray, like things like that. I just felt like there were opportunities for Creighton's two go-to guys to be more aggressive than they were throughout the game and they didn't they either waited too long to do it or they didn't do it you know hardly at all yeah. so I, I thought that was a big difference in the game because well, I, I could notice when other people were being aggressive one of the things that maybe played into that is I thought K-State did a really good job of forcing those guys if they caught the ball they were either moving away from the basket or yep. they were out beyond the, they were really deep like steps behind the three point line mm-hmm. so when they did put the ball on the floor and tried to attack they could K-State could more quickly sort of use its team-oriented defensive concept to shut off that drive. Yeah. I did and, want to, and I, two oh, or truly things like ahead. Kyrie and Marcus both missed 
a couple early jump shots from the perimeter, and that may have, you know, put a thought in their head that, okay, well, I don't have any rhythm on the jump shot yet, so I probably shouldn't force these things up, and I should try to make, you know, I should try to stay well, patient. Marcus got play. one blocked. Yeah, Marcus yeah. got one blocked. Kyrie missed an open one in transition, and yeah. maybe that kind of just snowballed And I think he missed mental. a pull-up jumper from two mid-range mm-hmm. jumper. Yeah, but... I mean, both it, of them were 6 of 20 combined from the field, so, I mean... They miss a lot. Yeah, they miss a lot of shots. But, yeah, you're right, though, because especially with K-State, um, the way that it had kind of seized momentum early, and I'm guessing that those players were aware of that, Kyrie and Marcus, and they probably didn't want to force the issue. They, the jump shots weren't falling, so they had to try to find something else, and yeah. the other thing wasn't working. I just wanted to go back and correct myself because I brought up that couple possession stretch after um, Creighton pulled within three. It was mm-hmm. 42-39 after the Tyshawn Alexander three. Mm-hmm. The next possession... They did have the ball down three, and it was that lob that didn't work. And then the possession after that, they got it back again with the with the ball uh, down three. And I think they tried a ball screen with uh, Tyshawn Alexander and Epperson. And Tyshawn got into the teeth of the defense and tried a floater. Um, maybe that might have been one of those moments where you're talking about with aggressiveness instead of, um, you know, they, they took away. K-State did a good job of taking away that lob all night. Maybe that's a moment where you would have preferred – um, the the ball handler they're just going straight to yeah. the rim yeah. like get because there wasn't get, a lot of that I didn't attack feel. the rack yeah. instead of settling for a floater so but he, you can he, set he, you can set defenders up with that right. threat to the rim because if they're if they're recovering to Epperson that means they're opening up a lane for you to drive right, right? so so um, yeah he 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 tried that floater it didn't work he got the rebound and got double teamed and tried to kick it out and got and it was a turnover yeah. and then K-State scored up five Creighton turns the ball over on the Epperson screen the illegal screen that was called and, and then that K-State I think rattled off like seven a seven to two run or mm-hmm. something like that and that was ball game that was ball game that was when they really started to put it away yeah. actually maybe ball game was when uh, Marcus Foster fouled the three point shooter um, and and he hit that shot. What, yeah, what you know, that? you was, know what that, that whole was a, that was at like seven minutes. I marked. Seven the, minute I mark. actually marked that whole sequence because the possession before that, Creighton had defended for about twenty five seconds. It was a late shot clock situation, and what's his name, uh, Mike McGurl. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, Mike McGurl uh, was being guarded by Foster, and they threw him a pass that Foster read really well, but mistimed his. Um, was his, that his mistimed his yeah. his his, uh, his lane jump, and he missed the ball, and the girl got it, took two dribble pull up and drilled it. Was that to also, beat the shot clock that, to go up fifty one forty four? I think fifty three forty four. Was that the possession where Marcus had the rebound and they said he stepped out? That might have been yeah. The, maybe that was a possession before. I think that okay. was a possession before. That was a bad call. I don't know. I've seen I've seen a replay of that. That, tr- that trip down the floor. Yeah, I've seen a replay of that, and that wasn't even close. So I'm not really sure what that call was about. That was a big one. I mean, yeah. at, at that point, I think I think it was a seven point game at that point, and mm-hmm. obviously Creighton was in uh, approaching that desperation mode. But that happened, a backbreaker, and then yeah, the play you're describing where because he did that, he did that, he did <laughs> he that. Gamb- he, he gambled, but it was it was like. He was it there. Like he, he read it right. Yeah, he read he it right. He just missed it. it. Like, yeah. I, I'm, if they, I, if I watched the replay, I yeah. think and he And then was, the very next possession was the three in the corner that he fouled yeah. on the make. And honestly, that was probably the worst possession of the night for Marcus Foster because he fouls the three-point shooter, they make it, they go up 10, which I think at that point had been their first double-digit lead of the game. And then that was right in front of the K-State contingent of fans. Over here. And yeah. they let him know something that caught his attention because he looked back. 
And, you know, it was kind of like a really deflating moment for him because for he sure. knew that, first of all, I think he banged himself up a little bit. Yeah, he hit. Uh, he landed in the table. Yeah, and uh, that that freshman who like what he finished with seventeen. He had he had yeah. thirteen points in the last eighteen games or something like that, or maybe thirteen points all year. I don't even know. Seriously. And uh, and then came off the bench and scored seventeen. He gave him a stare, man. Mm-hmm. The team his teammates were helping him up, and he looked down at Marcus like, "You're nothing." You know, like yeah. they they uh, there was clearly a, animosity, mm-hmm. no doubt, no question about it. You can, even though they didn't even know him, like they didn't know, play with him. But I mean, there was an edge to Kansas State yeah. that they weren't going to let Marcus Foster beat them tonight. They weren't going to, they weren't. It was almost like they were determined to not let him be him write a storybook ending to yeah. his career against them. Right, because there was a lot of pride. You saw it in their comments uh, before they got to Charlotte, uh, Barry Brown specifically. Um, and they, they were very pointed in the press conferences and things like that. They were determined not to let Foster beat them. Right. Like, if they were going to lose tonight, it wasn't going to be because Marcus Foster had some, um, you know, some night of redemption right. dropping 35 and I think plus what, on I think what's disappointing for Creighton um, is that it didn't have – it had – I mean, certainly, like, you don't expect going into a game that Marcus Foster is only going to score five points, but – it, it it looked for long for long stretches, really until the start of the second half when Mitch Ballack scored those seven points in a row. Like that, the Jays really had no other option. Like they didn't know what. It's like, oh crap, Marcus Foster is being swarmed. What do we do? And there wasn't. I don't think that there was a quick enough reaction by. Um, I would imagine the coaching staff trying to direct the players, and then the players on the floor sort of. Reading the the plays and and uh, and executing in the moment mm-hmm. um, to to take advantage of those of those windows that are created when a team is focusing so much attention on on. But Marcus. you know who I think knew early on was Marcus yeah. because he was deferring quite a bit. Yeah, and I think he knew it was going to be a difficult night for him to get clean looks, and he didn't want to start forcing contested jump shots and shoot his team out of the game. So he was really making a concerted effort to keep the ball moving if he was being pressured and, you know, kind of pick his spots when to attack. That goes back to the aggressiveness thing. Because there was a point in the game where I think I tweeted that Creighton needed needed a hero, and I wasn't trying to be dramatic. Like, Creighton needed someone to be, like, just a guy who was like, I'm tired of this this crap. I need to go get some buckets here. Like, you know, and, I, and you, you, Marcus Foster is certainly capable of that, and, you know, Kyrie Thomas did it against Marquette. Like, those are the guys that I feel like are the two that when things are going poorly, everyone's going to look to them to stem the tide, to change the momentum, to switch things up, to get, you know, seven, eight points in a row, get a run going by themselves. Like, that never happened out of those two. Yeah. And I think that I think that was deflating for the rest of the team because the rest of the team has relied on them all season. Um, to be the the guys in the difficult moments that are able to carry them through moments of adversity, um, you know, and help them come back to win a game like this, and it just never happened. And I think that for the rest of the guys, you know, because you hear it all the time, talking to them throughout the season, they always try, you know, Mitch Ballack went through a shooting slump, and he almost didn't want to take shots because he realized his jumper doesn't feel good right now. It's not he's not feeling good about his shot at all and he doesn't want to take shots away from Marcus and Kyrie because he feels like anything they shoot is better is a higher percentage opportunity to score than anything he puts up. So yeah. like that's that moment that was like tonight in a nutshell. I feel like there was a lot of 
okay, when are Kyrie and Marcus gonna, you know, do something spectacular to kind of switch the momentum up and get our conf- get our confidence going, right. so we can start playing off of both of them instead of them having to play off of us like that. I felt like that was a, a dynamic that was going on tonight in the game that maybe wasn't maybe wasn't talked about. We certainly I didn't ask about it, but it's it seemed to me like that was something that was going on. And when they had open shots, the the secondary pieces, at least early, they didn't hit them. Right. I mean, I feel like Mitch Ballack had a wide open three. I mean, he hit one, I know, but he missed another. Tyshawn Alexander missed one. There was that play when Creighton, one of Creighton's patented plays, and it runs for Marcus to try to get him on a back cut to the rim in the first half. And K-State was all over it. I mean, I think he might have even been triple teamed when he cut to the rim, mm-hmm. which left – Toby Hegner wide open. Wide I mean, open. it might have been as wide open as you've seen Toby Hegner, mm-hmm. uh, but he kind of hit the shot. Hey, back rim to yep, um, So, I mean, you credit K-State for the plan, um, but in these types of moments, when a team is selling out as much as K-State did at times to take Marcus Foster out of the game, I mean, you got other players on the team. You need them to step up and, and uh, at least – on a consistent basis, they weren't able to. In spurts, they were, because Davion Mintz had some really nice moments, and Mitch Ballard did too, and Toby Hegner as well. I mean, I thought um, he he contributed some good, yeah, I good offensive he was buckets. Really, really good. He was he was mo- it looked like he was moving pretty well, mm-hmm. um, but it just wasn't enough. I think they just needed a little bit more from those guys, and then everyone around him too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I got to give credit to Barry Brown Jr. because he had probably one of the most daunting task I think of the whole entire tournament because he had to guard Marcus Foster and score on Kyrie Thomas I mean you can go around the entire country in this tournament I'm not sure you can find a more difficult assignment and he didn't really back down from it he talked about it in you know in his pre-game comments leading up to the night and he kind of backed it up I mean I thought You know, it's it's not often where we have Kyrie Thomas on the floor playing as well defensively as he did. First of all, he he, he a lot of deflections, uh, ended up with three steals. Um, you know, he certainly was all over seven rebounds, six of them on the defensive glass. Like he was all over the place, doing his typical, you know, having a typical Kyrie performance on the defensive end. But you know, Barry Brown Jr. held Marcus Foster at two for eleven. You know, three turnovers, one for seven from three, and then and he the scores two, eighteen by the way, the, points on the, the other end. The layup that Marcus hit was not on Barry Brown. No, I don't think Barry was even in the game. I don't think so either. It was, I don't, a, baseline, I, it was baseline a baseline drive cut. on a big. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that. I think it might have been on Xavier Sneed. I'm not sure if if, if Barry was out there. Yeah. And I don't even know if the three. And the three, that, the corner three, was when the game was already like right. A and 12, I don't even 13 know, honestly, point game. Yeah, maybe Barry was in that for that one, but yeah, yeah, he did a great job, man. He was he was fantastic, and you know. It's funny reading some of the comments from K-State's players. Um, let's talk about the Dean White thing. Because, like, I it, – it's it, it's clearly – it was an advantage that he – it was an advantage for Creighton that he didn't play. I mean, come on. The dude is a yeah, first-team All-Big 12 player, um, 16-5. I understand that, that – sorry to interrupt, but I understand that it's a different dynamic in guarding Kansas State without Dean Wade because you prepare for him all week, but – no, and and a different dynamic on the other end because they can switch all screens, and I think that a lot of Creighton's plan, offensive offensively, was to go at Dean Wade because yeah. they knew that oh, it's six ten forward. Sure, we can get him in mismatches or run run him through ball screens. But and, at some point, you but at some point you get used to the fact that that's not he's not going to be on the floor, 
you gotta adjust. Or you had two, you had four or five days to prepare for the fact that he may not play because right. everyone knew that he had a stress fracture and he didn't play against a Kansas a week. Fracture, right? Like a week the likelihood of him playing on. that is, was unlikely that right. he was playing. Tonight. But um, I don't think. Yeah, it was total so advantage crate. I don't even know. I would, I would I even s- try to make the argument otherwise. Well, I will say this. Will? I, I just that um, it was kind of it's kind of similar to when Ronnie Harrell was not playing. Uh, to make a comparison, Ronnie Harrell, they found out the day of the game, of the Villanova game, that Ronnie Harrell wasn't playing. Okay. Every single player knew that he had to sort of up his level of focus and effort and attention to detail just an ounce higher, you know, like a, just a notch higher. Okay. Like, we got to be this much tougher. We got to be uh, this, we got to be just a little bit more uh, focused. And I feel like K State's guys had that. Um, they knew that without Wade, they all had to do just a little bit more. And uh, I think that might have provided just a, a tad bit of, of, of a boost. I think Bruce Weber had a, the quote of something like, we can't, we can't replace his scoring, but we, that doesn't have to impact how we defend. Like, we can still guard and we can still mm-hmm. um, be tenacious with, and, and physical and try to throw Creighton off its game that way. So... Again, I think it, I definitely think it was an advantage for Creighton that, that Dean Wade didn't play, but there were aspects of it um, that I think that that Kansas State maximized. Like they maximized the fact that um, they could play with a four guard lineup and switch all the screens defensively, and they maximized that um, sort of galvanizing feeling that hey, let's band together and win this thing for. Dean Wade, we, our backs are against the wall type moment. Like sure. we got to do it because uh, <laughs> you know nobody believes in us. We're losing. We're without our our, our leading scorer. So it just I think it's a little bit easier to kind of grit your teeth and sort of lock arms and say, um, you know, let's go out here and, and let's win this war. So um, I think I think K State maximized that fact. And Creighton I, yeah, on the I, other I hand, don't, I don't doubt that. He, here's where here's where, what, here's where I might push back on that. Let, like, let me just say this real quick. Okay. I just wanted to say that Creighton did not maximize the other aspect, which there are a lot more right. there are a lot more reasons for why it's beneficial for Creighton that, that Dean Way yes. um didn't play and Creighton didn't take advantage of those reasons. Whereas K State took advantage of the Whereas K State took advantage of the one or two reasons why it might be advantageous yeah. for them. Whereas Creighton had like ten reasons why it might be advantageous, and they wasn't able to uh, capitalize on any of them yeah. with, without Dean Wade in the lineup. Yeah, so that's, that's, but, that's a fair yeah. that's a fair assessment. The other, the, the other thing is like with K State's backs against the wall, I feel like Creighton at some point in this game should have had that same mentality because your season's over if you don't get it together. And you know what? Because you talked about aggressiveness and kind of like guys being in attack mode, I honestly don't think they had that urgency that was required until yeah. the last I don't know three minutes. When they started crashing the glass and and yeah. uh, um, scrambling for loose balls, like I don't want to say that I I tweeted this out and I got some pushback from it, and I understand why uh, because when you watch a game and you see a team that's really physical and that's working hard defensively and they're taking Creighton out of its game, it's it's easy to sort of point to the Jays' effort and say like, well, they they need to try harder, okay. they need to match that. I thought from a hustle standpoint, from a want to, from a desire standpoint, I thought Creighton was where it needed to be but there's just like this that other little element that i think what you're kind of pointing to and and uh what i'm trying to describe where you um you're you uh it's it's kind of like that do or die mentality like you have to leave it all out on the court um 
desperation. I guess that's what it is. Like, you it, can play it, hard, but if you don't have desperation, mm-hmm. um, it may not look like you're you're at your that highest level that you could be at, right. or that you're hustling as as much as as you need to be. And I think maybe, I think maybe I think you're not wrong in that the Jays exerted effort tonight. Certainly on the defensive end, I thought they played. I thought you know you can't say shot forty six percent, forty seven percent from three. That's that's pretty good for Kansas State, but I mean I felt like Creighton did the things defensively they needed to do to win this game tonight. I don't think that was the end of the floor where there was an issue as much as the other end. I mean they out rebounded them. <laughs> I mean they had that's no crazy. problem on the defensive glass. Now, Kansas State was not even rebounded by at all. ten. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, go on. And it's just it was just one of those things where the thing that became apparent was that Kansas State had the desperation yeah. because. In moments where they needed, where like late shot clock situations, um, scramble situations, uh, end of the first half, we we I think we've we've called them toughness plays tonight, but they're also the desperation plays where this is what needs to happen for you to advance because your season's over if you don't make these plays. Yeah, Kansas, and and while it may look like effort from Creighton's perspective, I agree with you that it wasn't, but also Kansas State had the edge of a team that had the realization of if we don't make these plays our season is over right and Creighton didn't and, and to that. your and to yeah. your point Creighton waited too long too long yeah. to find that gear like they look up at the scoreboard and said oh sh- oh no it's a 10 point game with four three minutes left yeah now we need now to we be need to desperate yeah. like no it needed to happen before that it needed to happen when they were down two and had some momentum going it needed to happen when they were down three and had a couple possessions to tie it or take the lead um you know that that I think to your point, yeah, the Jays played with a great, a tremendous amount of effort on certainly on the defensive end of the floor. But the, when you when you tried to like compare both teams as far as who looked more desperate to not have their season end the night, it looked like Kansas State had that edge mm-hmm. the for the majority of the game, and certainly and certainly for the for the moments of the game where it, where the result was in doubt, I felt like that was the difference. Yeah, and I thought that. You could say the same thing about the Providence game and the Marquette game. Um, again, now those games weren't for Creighton; they weren't do, do or die moments. Right, but right. it showed up when they were playing a team that was in sort of that situation. Um, Providence needing to win to secure its NCAA tournament spot, and and Marquette needing to win to stay needing a win to stay alive. I thought both of those teams, especially down the stretch, were just a little bit more urgent or desperate for yeah. lack of a better word yeah. i know we're using that word a lot but that's like hey, that's, that's the best word to describe it, it. Is, it's like you know it's, um, it's accurate um they they needed to i mean yeah, just think about the tough shots that andrew rousey hit like the, he had to hit them and he hit them and then the mm-hmm. plays that providence made battling for boards like that last possession where they're down two against creighton um it was a disaster <laughs> like they almost turned it over three times. They probably actually did turn it over. They just didn't call it. Yeah. Um, and yet the ball's on the rim, and they're outnumbered in the paint, but yet they still get the board. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's that, that I don't know if it's a... It, you know what it is? It's that, it's that question you asked after the selection Sunday in in regards to what possessions are make or break can what, what possessions can make or break your season so oh the, yeah yeah you know yeah. what i mean when, when we you asked about, about like marcus was shot against the paul right. or or divincenzo missing the free throw against yeah. uh, in the villanova game late like 
or Xavier getting the foul call at the end of uh, you know with four seconds left. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's that it's that that fine line, that fine line yeah. of like how how do you swing this game? Yeah. What what swings it? What possession? What possession is the one that makes the difference? Because sometimes it comes down to that. Um, and I think this season can certainly be summed up in a, in in that way perfectly. And I in and that's probably why you asked it because there are a lot of there were a lot of games this year that came down to a possession or two swinging results one way or the other that ultimately put Creighton in the position it was in at the end of the season. Now they're happy to be in, in into the tournament, but you don't want to be on an eight nine line facing a one in the second. You don't want right. that's 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 the, that's the, the game you don't want to be in. Yeah, no one wants to be in that game. Yeah. So you know, while we did watch history tonight, in, yeah. <laughs> afterwards, like that's not a likely scenario. So Creighton was facing a a f- tough first round matchup stylistically in Kansas State, and then B had they passed that test, they would be facing the number one team in the entire country, who right. was thirty one and two. two on the season. Yeah. So yeah, because so- of those because of those swings, because of those 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 little details that you talked about, right. Um, that's why Creighton was in the position it was in tonight. And that's, you know, again, that's why Creighton lost tonight as well. So, um, What's like a big picture view? And you've covered the team longer than I have, so you, I'm going to defer to you a little bit here. But are there, I mean, I think when fans look at this game, it's hard for them to not look back to last year, to 2014. Um, yep. Even to the two years before that, like, I know that they won games. In, well, they won games. In, they won a game in 2014, too. But I think all three of those losses, um, 2012, 2013, 2014, mm-hmm. even though they were outmatched those first two years, clearly, um, I don't know. I think they, I think people, fans, probably I'd imagine players and Coach McDermott too, came away thinking like, well, we could have played a little bit better. Yeah. And then the Rhode Island game happens, and you know that <laughs> Creighton could have played better against Rhode Island and and uh, against Kansas State. I mean, it was the lowest. Point totals it matched the lowest point total of the year, the worst shooting performance in in two seasons. They shot thirty three point eight percent. I mean that's abysmal. Right, and it's the biggest game of the year, and yes. and Creighton's not able to play at its best. So yeah, um, yeah. What common threads do you see um, from from the Jays in the in the NCAA tournament, if any? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to make this a twenty minute answer because I feel like there are circumstances that. If I do ignore them, I'm kind of not telling the, the truth. So, if we're just talking about, and I was asked this on Twitter tonight, and I did, it's not something I can answer in 280 characters, so I just kind of ignored it. I apologize to the person who asked. I wasn't trying to ignore you, but it's not. When you, the question was, what have you seen out of the last five and some of the tournament losses? And it's hard for me to sum that up in 280 characters, yeah. but I'll, I'll give it a shot right now. The Duke, the Duke loss was, in, you know, an awful offensive performance. I think by both teams really, um, but Duke was just a little bit, you know, Duke was really scout sound. They made life really difficult for Doug, um, you know, and to hold a Creighton team that's really good offensively to fifty points. I think, you know, I think that yeah, I mean, it was just a bad offensive performance. But both teams were bad offensively that night, really. And Creighton had a chance in the game. It's not like they were blown out. They lost by 16, but I, I didn't feel like it was a blowout. It wasn't one of those things where Creighton was chasing double-digit deficits the entire way. It was a, it was a, it was a, you know, a grinded-out ball game. And they had just won. It was that was their last tournament game before 
uh, going to the Big East. And they had just beaten Cincinnati, who was a Big East team, in one of those grinded-out affairs. They beat them, I think, 58-57 or something was the final score. Um, you know, it was one of those, like, just dogfights. Well, that would have been um, their second-to-last one, right? Cause they yeah, played and then North Carolina, North Carolina was Carolina one before was that. Yeah, one. North Carolina was one that was just – they were just totally overmatched um, talent-wise. You know, North Carolina had John Henson, Harrison, ben- Harrison Barnes, Kendall Marshall before the unfortunate injury. Um Tyler Zeller. Yeah. Like, that was just a team that was just – I mean, they were a national championship contender. So, right. I, you know, Creighton was overmatched in that one. And that one wasn't really – you know, that was an up-and-down game. But, I mean, North Carolina loves playing that way. So, it wasn't really something they were uncomfortable in. And, they and yeah, Creighton was changed to double digits the entire game that way. So, it wasn't – I didn't feel – I don't feel like that was a game where you went into that – where you went into that thinking, oh, yeah, Matt – got out coached the players got out played i mean they were just out overmatched talent wise so i'm gonna throw that one out because they shouldn't have beaten that north carolina team anyway um the duke one obviously it was a poor offensive performance in a game that they probably had a shot to win so yeah that's a that's a that's a loss where creighton probably felt they had opportunities to to you know to to knock off the blue devils and and you know, go to the Space 16 and things like that. It just didn't work out. And, but Duke was really good defensively against Doug that night. He he really struggled from the field. Then um, their first year in the Big East, they beat uh, Lafayette team. You know, who had Alfred Payton. They were a decent team. They had an NBA talent. They were really well coached. Um, they beat them by 10. It was it was a game where Creighton had to make some tough plays um, and make some tough shots. I think Ethan and Doug both hit uh, late threes. Um, I actually think Jahan's Managa passed up a wide open uncontested layup. To hit Ethan play. Rocky in yeah. the corner for a three late in the game. Um, and I think he was asked about that after the game. Like, how many teams do you think would pass up a layup like that <laughs> right. for a three? Um, but Creighton made big plays on the stretch to win that game. And I know you're like, well, Creighton's a 60, they were an 11. Like, or Creighton's a three, they were a 14. Um, you should win that game. But, you know, we've seen this. But tournament, not everything's guaranteed. So yeah. they had to make tough plays to win that game, and they did. And then the Baylor game was just one where, you know, you're facing a <sighs> – an overseed, an underseeded six seed in Baylor who is playing what? What's Waco to San Antonio? A couple hours. Yeah. Um, they're playing in their backyard essentially. They're really talented. They're really athletic. It was just a terrible matchup, and it snowballed. I mean, Baylor really extended their zone defense out to the three point line, and essentially stuck. Um, I think Isaiah Austin was his name. That big seven foot yep. one kid with the eye problems. Mm-hmm. Um, they stuck him in the middle of the – I'm talking like the middle of the arc because they had everybody else glued to shooters, and they stuck 7'1 Isaiah Austin in the middle of – just stuck him in the paint and said, come and get some, essentially. If you want to come in here, you're going to have a tough time scoring on me. And that was essentially what Baylor did the whole game, and it threw Creighton off. Um, it really was part of – that Providence Big East title game and that Baylor game was the start of Creighton's whole – Oh, what happens when this team faces a zone type of deal? Um, and then, well, we have to go to the Rhode Island game next, right? Yeah, Rhode yeah, Island. Yeah, so next. Rhode Island was next. Rhode Island, first of all, was a terrible matchup for Creighton from a physicality standpoint. We knew that going in. But you're also talking about a Creighton team that, and here are the circumstances where it's going to sound like I'm making excuses. And I know how it's going to sound. I don't really care because they are true circumstances. And we know this by covering the team. Maurice Watson torn ACL, so you don't have your point guard. We saw how shaky the point guard situation was. Is it Ronnie? Is it Isaiah? Is it yeah. Tyler? Is it Davion? Um, how that was like trying to replace Maurice. Um, 
then you have the whole off the court issue with Maurice being charged with sexual assault, um, and the locker room strife that caused, which we know was caused um, based on people, you know, some players having issues with, uh, you know, Creighton's decision to suspend him and keep him away from the team and not support him. Um, you know, the kind of the trust issues that caused uh, Justin Patton's whole NBA draft destruction. And then the fact that they made a run in the Big East tournament to the title game, lost to Villanova, come back slash on Sunday after grinding your way through the Big East tournament. Um, I thought that Big East tournament gave them a little bit of false hope, honestly. I did too. False confidence. Yes. Because I think they thought that they had arrived or that they had fixed everything. Mm-hmm. And they hadn't. Yeah. You know, like, they, I think that All they got... All it served to do was wear them down. Yeah, right. And, 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 and when they got to, when they got to Rhode Island, there was nothing and left. And distract them a little bit. But yeah. anyway... There was nothing left in the tank, in my opinion, okay. for the Rhode Island game. So, for it to snowball the way it did, I was not really... I thought Creighton had to come out fast and, and get some confidence going early. Otherwise, they were not going to win that ball game. And when they started as slowly as they did, and they had to go to Ronnie at point guard again, um, I didn't think they were going to win that game. I thought I thought for maybe thirty five minutes they were not going to win that game. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the way I was reading it, the way I was watching it. I thought they had to be good early, otherwise they had no shot because Rhode Island was only going to gain confidence and Creighton was going to lose confidence. And then you have to deal with the the fact that I felt like that was just a tired team physically and mentally at that point in the season. They weren't going to be able to find that extra gear that, I, that we've talked about tonight is required to advance in March. And then tonight we've already assessed. Yeah. I don't really think. So I don't really see common well, threads. Here's I can see, I see common threads in maybe the Kansas State and Rhode Island matchups, but I don't see common threads in the performances because right. they've been teams that have been built differently. They've been teams that have gone through different things. And I understand that people harp on March results as if it's just one giant you know, vacuum in itself. But seasons are played out differently. And when no you get to March, you're a different team than you were, say, the last time you well, were and at that point. Yeah, I was going to say it's hard to um, – it's hard to – to draw firm parallels between marches, right? Because like it's a There's different so team, it's between, a different right? scenario, and it's a wholly it's a whole different matchup. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, and di- different circumstances involved with preparation. So like everything, it's it it is difficult. But yeah, it's basketball. We can we can try to do sure. our best to yeah, discuss yeah. it. It's not we're not trying to solve a crisis here. Um, I think one of the things that that, stands, was that what it sounded like I was trying to <laughs> no 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 I was trying to I was trying to did I make that more dramatic than no 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 I was trying to uh, downplay the importance of our conversation really. okay, gotcha. <laughs> like we can have a conversation it's not going to hurt anything um, what I what I what I wonder is it seems like Creighton in these five losses in the NCAA tournament it's uh, tonight uh, against Kansas State maybe doesn't apply but. The an athleticism, a length, um, a physicality. I mean, we're talking about personnel, like the players that you recruit. Yeah. Uh, that that fit into your that fit on your roster. Like, there's a clear difference in the type of team that Creighton it's has played. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. type of team that Creighton is. So um, maybe that reflects on style maybe that reflects on recruiting maybe that just reflects on the fact that Creighton is still transitioning to this level that yeah. you know to compete you know I think that where, where it hurts them in when you're talking about the transition is that Butler has been successful Xavier has been successful yeah, and, that's what I hurts mean, in the NCAA tournament in general I yeah. mean you look at um, you know the match the, the game we just saw tonight I mean yeah, from a physicality standpoint right. yeah. um, UMBC 
didn't belong on the court with Virginia when you look at their athletes. Although Virginia isn't like the most menacing one seed you'd ever see. Um, but they I actually would describe them as the most menacing one seed you'd ever really? see. Really? Yeah. Um, just they, just, they just hound you. They're just annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, like, on film. But yeah. when you watch them get off the bus, you're not like, oh, my God. Oh, these sure. Guys that, all go, yeah, that makes me These guys are all going to the NBA. That You're like, right. these guys are a basketball team? <laughs> like, you don't fully get uh, is it, are you, first of all, I'd just like to cut into this for a minute. Are you like, is it the least shocking thing almost in the world that Virginia is the one seed that ends up being <laughs> That's the one? true. Like, no, it no. just felt like they were destined to be the team yeah. that, that happened I was like, Vir- Virginia or Gonzaga? Uh, Gonzaga yeah, yeah, Gonzaga, yeah. Gonzaga, for Gonzaga sure. or Virginia feel, felt like yeah. one of those teams that... Uh, we talk about March results. Like, Virginia feels like one of those teams that when you try to, like find a thread in underperforming underperforming moments yeah. in March they're one of those teams right that's that. uh, the conversations we're having with Creighton I get maybe that's another sort of um sort of piece of perspective to think about as a Creighton fan as you're sort of trying to assess and wrap your mind about all this yeah like it's Creighton's not the only team that's going through this now Creighton is one of the few teams that hasn't it doesn't have tradition sort of in March to at least fall back on. I can't say, well, remember that time in 2001 when we made a run to the Elite Eight? Yeah. What, what, well, I think Creighton, so well, Creighton, well, Creighton's bar is still the Sweet 16. Yeah, like, what, that's, that's, I think that's what's yeah. frustrating is because yeah. you continually see teams make runs to the Sweet 16, and it's like it can't be that hard, and, and Creighton keeps getting into the tournament, and, and yet it, I think it just sort of snowballs on itself from a negative fashion, and yeah. we'll be having the same conversations going into the tournament next season, or if if they're fortunate enough to make it, or the year. Oh, we'll after definitely that. be having this. I mean, that's going to be the overwhelming story, right? If, if they're um, in the same position next. So anyway, like a physicality, athleticism, length standpoint, I think mm-hmm. that stands out. Um, the fact that Creighton's best players don't perform at their best, like to me, that's one of the keys in March. Like you have to. If you're going to make a run, you need your go-to guys to yeah. be studs. You look at the teams that do end up progressing far in the tournament. Maybe there's a, a, a day or a game where they have to – I mean, you usually do see auxiliary stars kind of, or, or auxiliary p- players kind of State for sure, yeah, yeah. step up. But you also need your stars to be stars. Yes. And I feel like Creighton in the NCAA tournament, especially in those losses, like its stars have not been stars. Mm-hmm. And so – yeah, I, at one point, you, at some point, you do you tip your cap to the opponent because obviously that's the goal to take them away. But you also got to kind of, I think, if you're Creighton, look internally, internally, and say like, how can we become better at coming up with different ways to get our stars going and to get them, uh, and, and maybe some of that falls back on the stars and the top players, uh, you know, to find a way themselves to get to to not sort of defer. And to be in attack mode, even though they're getting hounded, and even though that, um, you know, there's that fine line of trying to force the issue, but also still being aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to force it, but you but you want to you don't want to be passive. Um, but yeah, that that to me stands out a little bit. I'm not sure. Again, the full reason for why Creighton stars have not been stars, but they haven't, and I think that's a concern. Um, and then I think just the toughness thing, that kind of what the desperation toughness thing, like <coughs> I, that's something that I noticed toward the end of the year last season, and and then also I feel like toward the end of the year this year is just from a mentality standpoint, whatever that next level that you have to reach um, to survive these pressure packed anything goes moments yeah. in March, yeah. where like. Really good players are going to make great plays, and some 
mediocre players are going to make great plays. You don't know what's going to happen. Things are, you're going to get punched in the mouth with adversity, basically, is what yes, I'm saying. Repeatedly. And some of the go-to things that you normally do aren't going to work. You have to find a way. Like Whatever that, um, pe- that mental piece is that allows players to do that or to reach that level, I just feel like Creighton hasn't attained that on a consistent basis in these settings. And so, again, I'm not sure how to tap into that, and I'm not sure if that has something to do with preparation or – I don't think it has – I don't think it's a culture thing. Um, I'm not ready to jump on the – on board with that – the discussion of whether or not Creighton's system can win in this setting or not. I mean, it, maybe it's a valid discussion uh, to have, but, um, again, I'm not sure I have the answers. i just pointing out some of the things that – sort of stick out to me and maybe I can sort I don't of assess think Creighton, it. I, and I, I don't think Creighton's system, to your point, I don't think Creighton's system necessarily extracts toughness in order to be at its, in order to be optimal. You know what I mean? I feel like... Like you can still be tough. Yeah, and, I feel like and, toughness yeah. can still be a part no, of their no, identity yeah. along with playing fast, shooting threes. Yeah. Like, and I don't the, think... For the record, we... Greg McDermott did say after the uh, after the game that he thought the the Jays were tough enough today. Yeah, he thought th- that they brought toughness. It's just it didn't manifest itself in a way that I think um, allowed Creighton to handle Creighton's or yeah. to handle Kansas State's physicality. I definitely if, think if Creighton brought toughness. I just think Kansas State was tougher. Tougher. So yeah. So what that means is they weren't tough enough. But I mean, I thought they were tough. Like I thought they. I thought they defended really well. Honestly, I thought they defended really well, ex- with the exception of, I think Kansas State started to attack the rim a little bit more late in the second half when they kind of felt like Creighton was teetering, um, and the and the lead had just shrunk to three again after Tyshawn's three. I felt like that was when Kansas State just had another moment of we're going to be the tougher team during this stretch yeah. of play, and that's going to end this ball game, and it did. So yeah, I thought Creighton was tough enough. But I just didn't think I didn't think they made enough plays to give themselves enough of a jolt to have enough confidence to right. get over the hump and put Kansas State in the rearview mirror versus the other way around when Kansas State saw things start to get close and tight and you know up in the air they were able to find another gear which we've said repeatedly tonight they were able to find that other gear mm-hmm. to be the tougher team in certain moments where it determined the result of the ball game right. and that's just that's the bottom line I agree right. with him I agree with Mac that. Creighton showed toughness throughout the ballgame tonight. But Kansas State also did. And they were tougher for the moments they needed to be tougher. Right. And that's why they won. Well, and it's just something that popped in my head. Um, kind of a different train of thought. But maybe it, when you were breaking down the games, it was something that I thought about and I didn't bring it up. But, like, it's going to probably come off as an excuse. But I feel like Creighton in 13-14, that was a transition. It was kind of a Missouri Valley team that was still transitioning yeah. to... The Missouri Valley team was a national player of the year. A transcendent <laughs> right. national player To the, of the yeah. major conference level and, and face off against a team of major conference athletes. Yes. Um, last year, Creighton better suited to match the physicality or, or to match the athleticism of its opponent, but it was missing, Cert- its, but it's, but it was missing its point guard Yes. Um, in a matchup where it needed a point guard. Yep. And then this season... Um, needed a little bit more toughness, a little bit more physicality, and its toughest and most physical player is sitting on the bench with a torn ACL and Martin Crumple. I think you put his size in the middle of that on the middle of that court um, with the way that he dema- demands attention and uh, you know, you just think about the way he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he doesn't necessarily go out of his way to like 
bowl people over, but he's a physically imposing dude. I mean, and, he's 6'9", muscular, and uh, he and, moves people. And when you think of the Butler game at home, the St. John's game at home, um, are two examples where... Even Seton Creighton, Hall on the road. Yeah, Seton Hall on the road, where, you, where Creighton found themselves in dogfights, and Martin was he the was, best player on the floor. He was the guy who kind of, like, pulled them out of the funk. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I understand so, where you think you're you know going what I'm down saying? the excuse road. But, yeah, those are those it's are circumstances so, that cannot be ignored, right. I don't think. And, like, and Creighton, you know, like, as much as, obviously, fans want Creighton, Creighton wants to ascend to another level um, as a program, it it doesn't just happen. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you, you sometimes you need things to kind of break the right way for you to um, – for you to – be in position to take advantage. Now, you do have to like walk through the door, mm-hmm. but sometimes you need that door to just kind of crack open a little bit so it's easier to sneak through. Sure. And I feel like Creighton's just um, over the last couple seasons, at least since I've covered the team, they've just caught some bad breaks. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately for the Jays, they're not like they don't have a roster full of all McDonald's All Americans like some of the other major programs in the country, and and uh, you know they just haven't been able to kind of get over the hump or, or maximize what they do have in, in the key moments of this season mm-hmm. down the stretch. So, um, again, it, it, I know it, I kind of like I'm saying it and it kind of comes off in it as an excuse, but at some yeah. point you have to try to explain it. Well, we, so you can try to figure out. It's not an excuse. We're explaining what we think is the reason. You try to explain it so you can try to figure out how to what what is needed to fix it, you right. know, or what, what is needed to help Creighton progress to the next level. You're like, can we pinpoint some some reasons for what's happened what happened this what happened tonight what happened last year yeah. um are there parallels and and what what can Creighton use to kind of take the next step that and we're trying to be rational and measured here too I think yeah it would probably sound like and that's for everybody you yeah, can't say that you know what that's, I mean that's, that's right. why it sounds like we're making excuses because we're not we're not we're not the torches lit and we're not you know <laughs> yeah. calling for an overhaul and things like that just because I don't think that's required I feel like they're going in the right direction to eventually break through this barrier that's you know i'm not gonna say they shouldn't have already done it i won't say that i I think they've had teams that could have done it already Mm -hmm. yeah no doubt um certainly this one you talk about guards being the difference in a tournament i mean you saw what umbc's guards did tonight to the best defense historically in the country like you know the run that virginia was on defensively has been unprecedented i I was in they got torched i was in the uh, umbc locker room and (laughs) One of the reporters told them that they scored 53 in the second half, and one of the players was like, really? Isn't that what they average, like, for a game, yeah. like opponents? And the yes. guy's like, yeah. I um, mean, think about yeah. how many times Virginia has held I, yeah, Virginia I, held North Carolina to, like, 44 points this year. Yeah. I think that's what's the most frustrating thing for Korean fans, honestly, and it's probably frustrating. All just as frustrating, yeah, just as frustrating for, for uh, Korean players and the coaches involved. It's just, like, the Jays – now for the third time in a row have gotten on this stage, the big stage when you want to, obviously you go on, you take the court this team took the court with every intention to win and make a run and make some memories, Yeah. but as soon as the game started, you could instantly tell that they weren't ready for the moment mm-hmm. and that happened a year ago and it, I'm guessing I wasn't there, but it felt like it happened in 2014 too, and so um, you know yeah, that's you the, try see, to that, you try to pull. That's, the, that's again where I, where I'm like gonna cut the thread is because I didn't feel like they weren't ready in 2014. I felt like they were overmatched in 2014. Okay, um, and last year, 
and you may disagree. I felt like they were just there was nothing left in the tank. They, and you mentioned the 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 uh, made a point about them fooling themselves into thinking they had a shot. I thought the I thought, you know, once the Villanova game started going sideways, that was pretty much the end of their season. That's just what it looked like to yeah. me. Yeah. Well, they. I mean, I was talking to some of the players leading up to today's game, and and that's kind of what they had said. Yeah. Is like, you know, we. We were thinking ahead. We got to the tournament in Sacramento, and we were thinking about Oregon and Dana, and, mm-hmm. yeah. and and we're the sixth seed. Like we're supposed to win. We're right. supposed to beat Rhode Island. Right. Yeah, they're our physical defense, but it's not like we haven't seen physical defenses. We just played Providence the other day, and we beat them. And Xavier switched off screens, and they were up in us trying to take away our threes, and we banged twelve of fourteen in the second half against them. Yeah. You know, like I think, um, I think they maybe got a little bit too focused on what went well in those games and, and didn't maybe there have been there ha- you know and I think the other thing is going to be about you know the, the criticism that will come down on the coaching staff is about how they prepare this team for tournament play and I feel like this team has had like I feel like this program has had special tournament performances in the past like conference tournament runs um NCAA tournament performances you know you look at the um you know, Doug had thirty and ten to beat Lafayette. Like they, they haven't always thrown clunkers in here. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's just people kind of remember that. I think people are just so frustrated that Creighton, with all the resources they put into men's basketball, has not reached uh, that sweet that second weekend yet. The fact that they, yeah. that, that the fans kind of have in the back of their mind that no matter what Creighton does, their season's ending in the middle of March on that first weekend mm-hmm. of the tournament. Like that's, I think that's just starting to wear into them and they're starting and, and, it, and it makes it easier to forget the good things that are also happening so I you know I, you look tonight and I thought Tyshawn played really well even though he didn't blow everybody away statistically but I thought Mitch played really well um, you know and Jacob I didn't think Jacob looked overwhelmed out there I didn't think he I didn't think he was very sharp um, you know certainly there was some disconnection between you know the way K-State was defending those lobs and the timing of Epperson getting to some of those things was off yeah. too. Like I don't know if the knee is slowed him down just a tick to make it harder to get to those, or you know what was the case. But I didn't feel like he was overmatched on the floor. So those are three true freshmen that have their whole careers in front of them. Um, the recruiting classes that are coming are certainly you know higher profile uh, than Creighton's had in the past. They're trending in that direction of adding the talent that's required to make a March run. Um, so, you know, I know it sounds like I'm making the case that in some ways Creighton is actually overachieving with their roster. I don't think that's the case this year. I think they, I think they had a roster that could make a make a run, um, but I also feel like there's more talent coming down the pipeline that will make, will make it happen eventually. Is what I'm saying. Like they're in position. They're in. They're 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 well positioned to, to get there. If they stay on their current track, is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. Um, next year could be. I mean, yeah, think the about potential it. You know, Martine healthy, like, in, yeah. let's just say but you well, let's just say you avoid that catastrophic season-ending injury to a key contributor. Mm-hmm. You've got Martine and Jacob um, in your front line, Ronnie as well. Uh, you you. Let's just go full best case scenario. You bring back Kyrie. You bring back Mitch, Tyshawn, Davion, who had a great end to his sophomore season. And, probably is going into that junior year with a lot of momentum that summer with a lot of momentum as far as the the floor general of this ball club and you know 
I talked to him in the locker room after the game, and, um, you know, I kind of I asked him the predictable question about what it was like playing in front of the hometown, you know, the the hometown fans, and um, and I mentioned that he played well individually, and he he really wasn't having any of it. He didn't yeah. want. He was like, I'm I'm sick of. I I would have traded not playing a single minute for a W tonight. Um, well, and, and he's tired of being one and done. Right. He said last year was enough. I'm definitely sick of. Right. It, that it's happened two in a row, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. Like, he sounds like a guy that's ready to be a leader almost, like just in his comments. I know it hasn't always been consistent, but the way he ended his season and the way, you know, the way he's kind of trying, starting to assert himself as far as the guy who can make plays for this team, um, I feel like you have a lot of confidence in him coming back if, as far as projecting his future. Yeah. I just think there's a lot of pieces that well, and the other, should feel good about. And the other thing that you can feel forward. good about, even though maybe you'd be frustrated with the <laughs> the coaching staff's performance from an X's and O's standpoint to get the team ready to play against Kansas State and, and maybe the performance in games, but the staff has a pretty proven track record of developing guys. I mean, Marcus Foster... Um, even though he did jump out on the stage as a freshman, he was still like a what top, well, barely inside the top 200 as a recruit. Kyrie Thomas, nobody offered. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Patton, nobody offered until Creighton had offered. Martin Crample um, before the Martin Crample was a guy that they found. Um, so they they know they've they've proven that they um, that they know how to get the best out of players. Yeah, and so you know it seems like they're. They're, raise, they're raising sort of the floor um, from a talent standpoint. Like a lot of these guys that they're bringing in, I mean, if you trust recruiting rankings, I think from an athleticism standpoint and a ready-to-play standpoint, when I see them, they it, it, it backs up sort of the recruiting rankings. I mean, Epperson, Tyshawn Alexander, Mitch Ballack, um, they were top 100 guys, and they played like top 100 guys, maybe even better than that because um, yeah. they were ready to go right from the start. So when you increase the baseline and you just think about, okay, well, if, if the coaching staff was able to find a way um, to maximize the uh, the capability and um, and the potential of guys like Marcus Foster, Kyrie Thomas, and Justin Patton, what can they do with Mitch Ballard, J- Jacob Everson, Davion Mintz, yeah. Tyson Alexander? Right. Um, so that's a, that is definitely a – I think what the coaches do in the offseason in terms of drawing out – uh, I mean, you credit the players, too, for putting in the work. Right. But uh, I feel like they've instilled um, this developmental culture. Um, certainly they set, the, they set this, the stage, but the guys, like, really buy into, um, you know, what the coaches sort of map out for them and what they need to work on. And mm-hmm. so from that standpoint, um, yeah, Creighton is in – it feels like is in good shape because it, it does keep recruiting at a high – it's definitely recruiting at a higher level than it was four, five years ago. <laughs> Um, so you think, well, with this core that it's bringing in, what happens when they're the longer they're here in the system and able to, and able to develop and get better as players? Um, two, three years down the road, uh, you know this program should be in, in in good shape. But now that's not to say on the other side of it, where the likelihood that first of all, Marcus Foster has you know his his eligibility is gone. And the likelihood that Kyrie Thomas probably goes yeah, pro. Yeah, I, I think in the short term, like yeah. next year. Next year, <laughs> right? Yeah, because when you're talking about losing fans. your top two scores, and we saw tonight what happens when those guys. I mean, they were on the floor, but they weren't performing at the level that Creighton um, needed to be. Yeah. So you're not yeah, only going like, to need your freshmen that performed very well this season to make a jump. You're also going to need. 
Davion to continue his progression, Martin to come back healthy, and the incoming freshman class to also be as impactful as this class yeah. was. Like, there's a lot of moving parts that are under right. a lot of pressure in order to fill the void that would and be left by. There's going to be a leadership void yeah, as absolutely. well. Um, yeah, we haven't talked about Tyler Clement, but y- you've mentioned that players and, and refer to him as the backbone of this team for and, sure. Yeah, and Toby Hagner with you know all he went through to still get out there on the floor and what he played tonight. 22 minutes, 12 rebounds, 12.7 rebounds in 22 minutes in his final game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, those are the things that are hard to replace. Just you can you can probably look at a stat sheet and go, oh, yeah, Creighton can replace that. But there's a lot of things about a dynamic of a team and a full season of ups and downs that you need guys like that to help you through it. Um, and so Creighton has to replace those guys. Right, right. Yeah. I think one of the things that's things – and this is probably something that we a point that we've already brought up, but like to get here, it's it's not easy, obviously, to get in the NCAA tournament. If you look at the NIT bracket, there's a lot of really good teams seated one, two, or three that um, okay, you know you a couple going to <laughs> couple good. bounces could have gone another way, and they would have found their way in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, they are certainly capable. So, but when you get here, it's like to not to not take advantage of it, and to not even to not deliver. Um, at the potential that you're capable of. I mean, I, I always equate it to the. I don't know why, but like I'm always like, if if Creighton's best performance is is a is a, a 100 level 100. Okay. Um, they were at like a 60, you know, or Today? yeah, yeah, it's like a 60 or 65. And against Rhode Island, I thought they were at a 60 or 65 again. And so, how many times this year have you left a game and thought Creighton was at a 60 or 65? You know, it doesn't happen. It hasn't happened very often, right. and so um, to have the opportunity to come to the NCAA tournament to work your whole season for this moment, and then to deliver uh, one of your worst games of the year—that's what. That's I think what's. I mean, it's certain. It's frustrating for everyone involved. It's frustrating for the fans who watch it and invest their emotions into it and uh, their time and energy, and the players who obviously work extremely hard for this moment the coaches who it's their job but they're invested obviously mm-hmm. um so a lot of people obviously want to want it to change but how they go about doing that that's a question and you know what you could also there's i could i could entertain an argument too if you wanted to just say you know what it's march and you don't it's it's a one game scenario against a good team in the ncaa tournament who knows what can happen like it's it's hard it, it doesn't make sense. A lot of times, it yeah. do, it just doesn't make sense in March. Like yeah. you, you could have. We the, saw it tonight. Yeah, you there's could have no the best reason, game plan, no the reason, better team. There's no reason Virginia should lose by 20 points to that team, right? And they did. It just doesn't. And they make looked sense. like the worst team on the floor by yeah. far this whole day right. that we watched games. Right? I mean, right. like Kansas. Kansas dominates the Big 12 year after year, and they've got one national title to show for it. Right? You know, um, they what's their record? in the Elite Eight is really poor. I can't remember what it is, but I, I remember hearing over and over again um, from Kansas fans after they lost to uh, Oregon last year about Bill Self and whether or not he can get them over the hump. And it's like, what? Bill Self, you know? Yeah, he's a, already got a national right. championship in Kansas, too. Um, yeah. He's been there. So, it, that I mean, when and that's what this sport is, though. It's yeah. wrapped around the NCAA tournament, and that's great because it's so much fun to witness, but it's a hard way to judge the state of a program that's it's, what yeah it's a hard that's way what i keep going back to because in order to do that and we have it here with there, there are, and it's a there, hard it's there a hard are, way to measure success as yeah well. 
throw three examples of this. Actually, four. I'll, gi- I'll give four. One is Tony Bennett's Virginia team that made history tonight by being the first team to lose to a 16. And boy, did they lose emphatically. Like, it wasn't close. They got blown out. Blown out by a 16 yeah. seed. So they didn't do it, like, on a miracle. They did it by getting dismantled. And speaking of dismantlings, uh, we watched the most talented team in the country, probably, and arguably the team that has the most talented player in the country get dismantled by a Buffalo team that, you know, just totally kicked their teeth in yeah. from tip to buzzer. And then uh, you also have this this Creighton team again, which you feel like underperformed in March, okay? And then you have, on the flip side, a Xavier team who, technic- who, who tends to perform well in March and make runs constantly. Last year was in a position where they almost didn't make the NCAA tournament in the first place because they lost six in a row to end the season and were losing at halftime to DePaul in the play-in game of the Big East tournament, and they make the Elite Eight. So, like, yeah, yeah what you're talking about, March is just, you know, shake it all up in a bag and throw it out there and see what your results end up being because – and it's hard to judge, you know, coaching staffs and programs based on, you know, that one or two performances – that knocks them out of the tournament early yeah, because there's everything in between that is the long grind of the season and the offseason that gets you to that point in the first place yeah. that tells the whole story as opposed to just one chapter of it. My, which is my philosophy is always get to the NCAA tournament, just get there, and yeah. keep getting there, and eventually you're break th- you, you will break through. Right. Now, the counter-argument is what Creighton fans can just say is, like, look at our tournament history, like, especially since 1999, what they've made it. Uh, the Jays, this is their 13th appearance. Maybe it was their 14th appearance this season, and they haven't made it up. I mean, that's rare. Yeah. But, you know, uh, it's 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 just an unpredictable, improbable event. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think it goes back to your original point. It's not from it, – the result is not from a lack of effort. Like, tonight was not just – Tonight was not like just Creighton took the floor and didn't care and thought they were going to roll K-State. Like, you know, the effort was there, just Kansas State exceeded it. You know what I mean? So that's credit to Kansas State, not indictment on Creighton, yeah. in my opinion. And, you know, there are things you can indict about Creighton and their performance and the things they did, but I also think you got to make sure you give credit to the team that advanced because if you're if you, if you year after year you keep saying – and in just in just in Creighton, in terms of Creighton's bubble, if year after year you keep saying Creighton didn't do this, Creighton didn't do that, Creighton fell short again, you're you're essentially saying Creighton's going into that as the overwhelming favorite to move on every single time, mm-hmm. and you're not giving credit to the opponent that also has the same stakes as you, um, and is playing for the same thing. And ha- I mean, and just does the things it needs to do to win. I mean, K State zero and three in the first round against uh, or. Uh, 0-3 in the first round of the NCAA tournament under Bruce Weber. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you don't you, you think they didn't have the same type type of discussions last year that right. that, that we're having now, or that uh, that their fans weren't wondering what the heck is going on? Yeah. Why can't Bruce Weber get us out of the first round of the NCAA tournament? It's all over the country. And their player, and you think that their players didn't hear that? Like right. Barry Brown said point blank after the uh, after the game, like we had to, we had to win this one for coach. You know, we had to get him out of the first round. That type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so. I think that I think that when you look at it from a smaller scope, it, I think it for me it's easier to fall down that um, 
to ha- it's, it's it's easier for me to, for me to and I would imagine for for Creighton fans to accept that reality that like it's the NCAA tournament anything can happen it's just a one game scenario so um you know we can just you just chalk that up to K-State played better and Creighton wasn't ready to play but when you um include 2017 and 2014 and 2013 and 2012 and 2007 and 2005 and three or whatever I don't know all the uh all the years off the top of my head that they've made the tournament and not Mm -hmm. performed at their best Mm -hmm. um I think I mean it's part frustration but also you you do start to wonder is like what what are if if well, you start asking about that's why you wonder about the comments. And that's that's why yeah, we, yeah. we went down that road. It's just yeah. like there has there you think that like there has to be something, right? It can't just all be random. And I believe but it, me, but also it, it, it could. If it were <laughs> if it were if there were a common thread, don't you think we would identify it? Like, I'm not afraid to well, you say would, it if, and you would, if it's and there. And you would think like, that the coaches would, too. I mean, yeah. they want to win just as badly. So they're, they're they're looking. It's their livelihood. Right. They're looking at, they, they I would imagine, are, are looking at everything. Yeah. Um, and they will do the same thing as soon as the season ends. But I don't think that that eliminates the frustration no. <laughs> from fans. No, when, it, and, and, and it shouldn't because it. people invest a lot. Even the fans invest a lot. They yeah. invest a lot of their time and their money to travel around to follow this team. Um, and it certainly hasn't been easier since Creighton joined the Big East because the travel has been, you know, the travel yeah. is more difficult than no. just a quick drive down to, you know, John's old stomping grounds in Terre Haute. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, everybody's investing things in this and, they, and you certainly don't want to take the emotion away and 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 say, okay, everybody, calm down. It's just one game. Like, feel free to freak out and vent and <laughs> get all your frustrations out and, like, however you – whatever you got to do to feel better. But from our perspective, it's our job to be measured about this right. and, and to try to find, you know, just the reasons that things are happening and not necessarily overreact to them. So yeah. I think that, it, you know, while it sounds like we might be, you know, pushing back against critics and and, and defending coaches and players – um, it's not the case. We're just kind of like, you know, trying to find that, uh, you know, trying to find the reasons why a Creighton lost to Kansas State tonight, uh, reasons why they haven't won and haven't made the Sweet 16. Like, there's just a lot of circumstances that go on, a lot of reasons um, that things happen. And you know, if there were a common thread, if there were something that we could point to, uh, you know, I think it would be easy to do for us yeah. because we just point to as a fact right so um the fact that it isn't there probably creates more uncertainty and more frustration um but i mean you kind of just have to ride with the the as a fan you kind of have to ride with the hope that creating is doing the right things to move the program forward and i feel like they are so if you so yeah if you are a fan that still has hope in what's going on at that program i think there are things you can latch on to right now even tonight that say yeah this will eventually happen yeah going forward pretty soon like that's just my opinion on it i think they are moving forward even though even though the results of the last three and so tournament losses have been uh you know due to creighton looking overmatched athletically um or, I think sti- or stylistically. Stylistically, athletically, sure. Yeah. I think they are addressing those, certainly those athleticism issues, uh, those talent issues, and moving the program, nudging the program forward 
year by year to the point where a March run is just at this point, you know, it's not inevitable, but I mean, it's almost like, like you said, if you get to the tournament enough times, a breakthrough is likely to happen. Yeah. So, you know, you're not cursed forever, if you will. So, you know, even the Cubs win a World Series. So, <laughs> like, I got to see that in my life. So, the things that have happened in my lifetime, I've seen the Cubs win a World Series, and I've seen a 16 beat a one. There you go. Peyton's going to the Sweet 16, people. It's <laughs> like, we've seen an incredibly unlikely things happen. Um, so yeah, just just I guess, you know, my message to fans would be just to hang in there, I guess. And but I understand, don't, you know, don't don't feel like you can't vent your frustrations and and freak out, and you know, feel free to blow up our mentions if that's what you need to do. No um, doubt. And I love I love the different perspectives. And, yeah. And it's, you know, I think the thing that you just don't want to lose sight of is the fact that like Creighton is sure you know Creighton wants to do more than just make the NCAA tournament but getting here is difficult yes. and and to finish in the top half of the Big East the last two years to show that it you know it, it could easily be uh, it could easily be different like there, there there's really not that big much of a gap between mm-hmm. um, you know the 8th seed in the NCAA tournament and a team that's 500 and isn't playing right now and so, yeah. um, well, you know, it's funny. You, you you commend Creighton for where it's at, but obviously, there's still it's still reaching for more. Mm-hmm. And and um, yeah, I, I just I think it, that's the thing is like I I just have trouble when I'm trying to assess sort of the status of a program to completely, even though in college basketball everything is March is everything, but yet to to judge um, or assess a program based on its March performance is kind of tough. Based on only, March, only, only, only right. on March is right. tough. Yeah. I do think it should be part of it, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, but coaches get fired in this in this profession. Poach, coaches get fired for not winning in March. Right. Like, you get, yeah, there are coaches who get fired for not getting to March, but there are also coaches who get fired for not winning in March. Right. So it is, it is a point, oh, it is something that athletic directors and fans and people who follow the sport rightfully so it's something that they use to judge um the status or or the um competency of a program or its coach Mm -hmm. but i for me it's hard to do that i i understand that people do i just saying i'm just saying that it's it it can be difficult if that's all you're looking at and uh I guess generally I agree with you that I think Creighton is positioned, um, if it continues on this track, to to have a breakthrough moment. But it does sting, obviously, for the Jays to get here and mm-hmm. once again fall short in, 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 in a manner that, I mean, it's like a face plant manner. Like, yeah. <laughs> literally no, just no. sort of like falling flat and laying an egg. In the moment, moment when you like when you can't, when you can't especially and, and after a year when you did, because it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to do that and survive the game and win and move on, right? Unless you are supremely more talented than the other team, like that's that's kind of. Mm-hmm. But when all things are even, yeah, you can't perform like that. Yeah, yeah, that's the bottom line. I will say though, uh, before the season, uh, as the roster was fully constructed as it was, so pre Martin Crample torn ACL, I had Creighton going eleven and seven in the Big East. Uh, one and one in the Big East tournament, twenty-two and eleven overall, winning a play-in game in Dayton and losing in the round of sixty-four. Mm. So, so I like, wasn't that far off, and then I feel like yeah. a Martin injury 
probably would have meant that this team had overachieved my own expectations for they, them. So. They, they exceeded my expectations. Okay. I thought that I thought an NCAA tournament team, uh, maybe like I think I said like a ten seed, okay, um, ten and eight in the league. So that was nice right call. on. Um, but I had them losing another non-conference game. I think I said nine and three, or maybe even eight and four, okay, um, in the non-con. So that. They were better than I thought they would be, but my expectations adjusted once I saw the progression of Martin Crompel and how much better he had gotten. That was another guy in terms of development when we're talking about uh, the coaching staff, what they've done with different players and maximizing their potential. Another guy who has really, who really took his game to another level. So that injury was um, was painful, obviously, and, and devastating to Creighton's season. Honestly, I mean, it's it really was. It's too bad that we have to point to that. Um, but yeah, it was very impactful. Well, because you know, the whole point is there are teams that overcome it. Case in point tonight, Kansas State had their best player on the bench. Yep, for the whole the whole game, they still no doubt. they moved on. So yeah, that is the, that is the circumstance. Kansas State they, overcame they, the Clemson win today. Like they, yeah, I'm not sure. They lost their second leading scorer and top rebounder. TCU lost its point guard. I don't know if TCU won today or not, but. Um, yeah, I'm amazed TCU made the tournament with that because it looked yeah. like they were floundering. Without they him, so. they they lost their their point. They lost today. Actually, they lost to Syracuse. Uh, Clemson beat New Mexico State. Look at Auburn beat. Um, Auburn had a chance by four. They, this yeah, they, tournament has been crazy. They they won, but Auburn had an injury. Michigan State only won by four too. Oh Is wow, that? I didn't see that. Wow. Yeah. Um, Auburn had a a key injury. That yeah. they 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 had several, to play I think, right? They had um, a few that guys. Yeah, well, we definitely down. had two guys suspended at the start of the year. You yeah, know, so that too. Um, right. So Texas, another team that made it, like they lost Andrew Jones to dealing with the diagnosed cancer. You know, Leukemia, like yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you can go down the line, and, and that I think that's also a frustrating thing for for Purdue. Creighton. Purdue's in that situation now. They're going <laughs> to play a Butler team without Isaac Haas. Right. Yeah. Um, how are they going to handle it, obviously? But, yeah, uh, I guess the point that I would make is that there are a lot of those, a lot of those teams are, um, you know, they've, they've, they didn't have to go through a transition year of, of going from, or not a transition year, a transition sort of progression, uh, a sequence of going from a Missouri Valley team to a Big East team and uh, recalibrating your roster and, and changing your recruiting uh area and and just developing new philosophies and and relationships um so while it is unfortunate that Creighton these last two years has not taken advantage of the potential that it could you know it was ranked in the top 10 for eight weeks in a row last year and then finished with a loss in the first round of the NCAA tournament and uh and this season Beat Villanova, the number one, a uh, number one seed, and and showed signs of maybe turning the corner right at the end of the year and kind of do it, um, but you know, maybe maybe it's just a an indication of the fact that Creighton is still a program that is growing and still progressing, and maybe it's just not it wasn't ready for those those types of hits like it kind of it wasn't able to withstand those types of hits whereas yeah. other programs maybe were better suited for it yeah. i don't know well i mean i think we can safely say that now right i mean well looking back on it yeah hindsight yeah, yeah. yeah. so no that's a good point um i think we should wrap that up then so that's the final blue jay beat of the season um, i'm glad we did this it's pretty fun because i think like we mentioned before we had 
basically been doing this anyway. We just decided to hit record this year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, these were typical conversations between John and myself uh, after Creighton Games. Just, yeah, this year we decided to let you guys listen to it. So we hope you enjoyed it. We certainly enjoyed the feedback and the interaction and the questions, and um, we hope that continues as we're getting uh, weird looks now uh, as the arena is starting to close. Um, yeah, I'm surprised that we were able to sit here and talk for almost 90 minutes without yeah. anyone yelling at us. Yeah, the clink would definitely not blink bad an eye, but we're in enemy territory right now. And that's <laughs> like, who are these two yahoos just talking to themselves? Um, but yeah, it was, this was fun. We'll try to bring it to you next year, I'm sure, um, if it all works out and everything like that. But uh, it's been a fun season. Thanks for everybody for listening, um, for interacting, for commenting critiquing we appreciate it all good and bad criticism and praise we you know it's it's part of the part of the job part of what makes it fun um so don't be afraid to to be harsh or positive one way or the other yeah Um, i'm actually really i'm really curious about hearing from creighton fans mm -hmm. just where they think the i mean not just where the program is but just what what you've observed from this team in the NCAA tournament, maybe what you think. Are there common threads? Like, yeah. what common threads do you see? Um, yeah, because we just it, have two opinions here. Right. So, like, and we, it we're might all be watching different through a different lens. I mean, we, we do have the ability to interact with coaches and players, and so we get to see maybe people behind the curtain a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the proof in the, in, of the pudding is, is in the results. It's in the results. And yes. it's what they put on the court, what they put out there on the court, and what how they perform on game day is what matters mm-hmm. and every, we all see that uh, that's the beauty of sport like you can talk the talk all you want and do everything you want to behind the scenes and have your different quirks and setups and strategies and and philosophies but if it doesn't work on game day that's you're gonna you're gonna be judged that way yeah that's that's yeah. where that's how you judge because no one's gonna see everything else they're yeah. only gonna see the 40 minutes so i'm really curious i'm I, i'm I'd love to hear uh, the perspectives from people who've watched this team and this program for a long time and yeah. uh, just kind of where they're at. And, and so definitely reach out, mm-hmm. even, even if you, especially if you disagree. I'd love to, I'd love to hear mm-hmm. uh, opposing viewpoints and, and different perspectives on it too. So, um, And I'm sure at some point you and I will both have the opportunity to talk to Coach McDermott and, and the players and just sort of get their perspective on – uh, not just this game and not just the season, but maybe the last couple of years and where they see the program yeah. um, going. But um, yeah, this is really fun. I was, I'm glad, I'm glad to be able to sit down and talk to about, uh, well, f- first off, it's a blast to cover Creighton basketball. The team is so much fun to be around. The players are great and the coaches are uh, really respectful and understanding of the job that we do. Right. And so that makes it fun. Um, and support staff too. They're a lot of fun to be around. Uh, but I love, I mean, I just love the game of basketball. And yeah. I love these uh, conversations that we've been able to have where we can go um, in depth, of not just about um, game plans and strategies and X's and O's, but sort of more overarching themes. And for me, it's, it helps to have someone like you who's really knowledgeable about this subject and this team uh, to sort of bounce ideas off of. I'm like working through 
my thoughts yeah. about games when I'm talking to you. You know, yeah, like, no doubt, because you change my perspective quite a bit. Like, yeah, well, or the way I read things and the way I think definitely, about things. You yeah. walk off the court and you think one thing, but mm-hmm. you haven't fully processed it. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm having these conversations with you, it, it helps me sort of digest it all yeah. and like run through, uh, you know, sort of my. Is, is this really how I feel, or is this really how it went? Yeah, there are definitely so, times where, like, I don't have all the puzzle pieces needed to put the thing together. Same here, right. And, yeah, you have with these, that. No so, hopefully, yeah. for Jay's fans as well, we... You have some of those puzzle pieces, too, Jay's fans. Like, we don't have the whole thing complete right. yet. Yeah. You're certainly part so of it, fill too. It so, in. yeah. Fill it in. But, anyway, yeah. uh, I've had a lot of fun doing it, so... For sure. I just want to say that. Yeah, so, in the meantime, check out... We're You know, we still have baseball season to cover, so... And the College World Series, and John's got a wedding coming up this summer, so... Um, Buy a newspaper, subscribe to the World Herald, read his work. He does great, great stuff. Uh, he's going to have great stuff for baseball um, in the College World Series, even though he's still got a wedding to plan. Um, he still will be on the Blue Jay beat, even though we won't be bringing you the Blue Jay beat um, until basketball season starts up again. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll do one if the women make a run. Maybe we'll to, yeah, if they go to Kansas City, maybe we'll have to talk, fun. talk about it again. Um, so maybe ha- hashtag one more pod, possibly. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but until then... Check out John's work at Omaha World Herald, omaha.com. Um, buy a newspaper, uh, support his coverage because he does a great job. And then check out everything at White and Blue Review as well. Um, you know, these trips aren't easy, uh, you know, certainly for an upstartish website, if you will. Um, I think we're in year six or seven uh, that doesn't have subscribers. So we kind of are patching this thing together as we go. But, you know, so make sure you check out our work at White and Blue Review. Um, Give us those clickety clicks and support the coverage um, because honestly, it's all driven by you, the fans uh, of the program. Um, without readers and fans and supporters of the program and, and critics of the program, we don't have much of a job to do. We'll just be talking to ourselves the whole time, even though mm-hmm. that's kind of what we're doing right now. But yeah, yeah, we're kind of talking to you through each other. So, right. yeah, so until then, thanks for all the support. Um, thanks for all the criticism. Thanks for all the feedback and all the interaction. It's been a lot of fun, and we'll bring this to you again um, when basketball season gets rolling next year. So thanks, everybody. Have a good night.